welcome. You are listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life. Uh, how about, uh, so y'all didn't do it. You, you did it this morning. I encouraged you. Uh, just out of love and appreciation, let this band know how much you appreciate all the hard work. <clears throat> uh, I want to thank a, a really special friend of mine uh, who, man, just blew me away. I looked back there a while ago and uh, Carrie DeArmond uh, just drove up from South Carolina just to be here tonight. And he's one of the very best friends that I have in the world. And uh, Man, when you get old, you cherish friendship, don't you, Daryl? When you get old, and uh, uh, and I do, and I cherish his friendship. I had the opportunity to, to see uh, Carrie accept the Lord. He and his wife had the opportunity to see him accept the Lord, and had the opportunity to baptize them both as well. That's pretty cool, right there, isn't it? Yeah, buddy. If that won't fire you up, your wood's wet. I'm just saying. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. Uh, I'm excited, and I'm excited that you're here uh, tonight. I mean, you really have to love Jesus to come out on a night like tonight. You know what I mean? It would have been easy to stay home and watch something, anything, you know, uh, reruns of anything other than really to show up at church. And I'm, I'm excited that you're here. And... Um, Tonight I want to talk about uh, what it means to grow up. It is the heart of Springwell Church <clears throat> to, to watch people grow up in their faith. Now this is really uh, just a one of a series of about five uh, messages that, uh, that we preach every year. And we call it the Up Series. And we tell them that, you know, we call it Up because people are down on what they're not up on. Y'all can smile. You can say, bless their heart. And in the South, you know what, bless your heart. You know what that means? You're an idiot. That's what that <laughs> It's our nice way of saying, you know, really, you just, you're, you're stupid. That's what, uh, but we say it and, and, and it just sounds so sweet when we do. And so we call it the Up Series and we really do. And what we've kind of done, we've learned over the years that really when it comes down for us as a church, we, we come down to five things that we're willing to hang our hat on. Five things that we're willing to die for. Five things that we believe with everything in us that we try to lead every single person that's a part of Springwell Church. We try to lead them to become a part of these five commitments. And so we just call it Up. That's what we've called it. We call it the Up Series. And and uh, I'm not going to be able to do all of those. I'm going to talk about grow up tonight. Uh, I'm going to talk about uh, step up tomorrow night. I know you're going to be excited because we're going to have fun tomorrow night. We really are. It's going to be weird. It's going to be different. Tonight's going to be kind of weird, to be honest with you. It really is. We're going to get this message. You're going to go, what? He said, what? You want to take notes because you're not going to believe it if you don't take notes. And uh, so in a series of five things, and we talk about show up, grow up, step up, speak up, and give up. Now, give up <clears throat> is all about money. You wanted me to preach that one, didn't you? <laughs> what? Uh, and I wanted to call it pony up, but they wouldn't let me. And, right, bless your heart. I got you. I got you. And I wanted to name it pony up, but they said, no, that's not cool. It's not politically correct. And so we need to talk about give up. And I said, okay, what's what we'll do? So tonight we want to talk to you about grow up because really at the heart of our church, people look at us sometimes and they'll think, you, you guys are all about evangelism. Guess what? We are. And so every single person that's lost, that's far from God, that doesn't know Jesus as their Savior, to every single one of those people come to know Christ as their Savior and understand what it means that 
middle cross means and understand what it means to die to themselves and really give their life to Jesus. Until that happens, I mean, we're not going to be done doing everything we know how to do to reach those unchurched people. It is my heart. It is my heart. But we are equally as excited about watching people grow up in their faith. We want to watch people fall head over heels in love with Jesus. I mean, really, head over heels absolutely in love with Jesus and that they'll never forget the grace and the mercy and the love that God has shown them. That's what happened to me. I'm not kidding. It's what happened to me. And I've been in the ministry for, I know it's hard to believe, for almost 30 years. Okay, maybe 28. No, it's almost 30. <laughs> and uh, I know it's hard to believe that I've been in the ministry that long, but I have. And, and you know what? After being in the ministry for 30 years, almost 30 years, you know what? I still have not got over the love of God. I cannot believe God loves somebody like me. What do you mean, amen? <laughs> you don't believe he loves somebody like me either. That's what you're saying. I know what you're saying. I really can't. I have never got over the mercy and the grace and the love of God. And my prayer for every single one of our people is that they won't either. They just won't get over his love. They won't get over his grace. They will stand back in amazement and say, I cannot believe that God loves me. And I get to do this every week, and God will remind me. It's, it's the truth. Every single week, God will remind me. Some weeks not, but almost every week, and I'll have the opportunity to look at our people, and I'll look at them, and I'll say, God told me to tell you this. He told me this week to make sure that I told you this, that he is crazy in love with you. Now, he just told me to tell you, and I, I will never forget sitting on the front row. It was Easter Sunday, and I shared that with this girl who was, oh man, her life was a mess. And she surrendered her life to Jesus, and she will come up to me all the time with tears in her eyes, and she will say to me, wow, God's crazy about me. I know because you told me so, you know. And she'll go tell her friends, you know what, God's crazy about me. You know how I know? Because my pastor told me that he was. He's crazy in love with me. We want to raise up fully devoted followers of Jesus. Y'all with me? And I know that that's what you guys want here at day three as well. I know that's what the heart of this staff is to raise up people that never get over the love of God. Because I'm telling you, once you get it and you understand, you, maybe you got to be like me. I was just a, I was the sorriest, lowest sinner that you could possibly imagine. I mean, I'm on the bottom, you know? I'm on the very bottom. And maybe it's just because I was so low that I cannot get over the grace of God, but I can't. Now, maybe I jumped in a little bit too fast. I probably did. Y'all have to listen fast because sometimes I talk fast. So let me go back. And let me define what a disciple is. Because here's what I've learned. In the world that we live, people don't know what that word means. Here's what I've learned. The church doesn't know what that word. Our church culture today doesn't understand what it really means to be a disciple of Christ. Now, sometimes we use the word Christian. Sometimes we use the word disciple. Honestly, and there are big guys in the ministry <clears throat> that will defy you over which word you use. You better use, they were first called Christians in Antioch. You've got to use Christians. Well, no, Jesus more often said disciple. And they will fight over these things. Here's my deal. My deal is I don't think it really matters which word you use as long as you know the meaning of the word that you use. Hello? Okay. So what does the word disciple, well, what, what does it mean? For tonight's word, for tonight's purpose, I want to use the word disciple. Now, I want to use the word disciple. I'm going to argue with you. If you use Christian, I'm cool with that. Because it really is the most, it's the word that's used most often in the Bible. So that's why I prefer to use it. Christian really confuses people. 
people think Christian, I mean, we, got, we live in a Christian nation. Really? <laughs> Do we? I'm not sure. So tell me what Christian means. I remember asking a girl one time. I said, what? what? She said, I'm a Christian. I said, are, are you? Are you a Christian? She said, yeah. I said, what do you think that means? She says, well, I go to church. I went, that's, that's, that's not it. She said, well, my mom and daddy go to church. They raised me in church. I said, that's not it. She says, I'm a member of such and such a church. I said, that's not it either. She said, I was baptized. I said, you still ain't got it right. So what does this word disciple what does it mean? Because I want to give you a definition so that we'll all be on the same page. So that when we leave here tonight, when I talk about growing up disciples of Jesus, you'll go, I know what that means. I get that, you know. Now I know, and I know what really God, the desire of the heart of God, I know what God wants from me. Because sometimes we don't know. And we struggle. I don't know what God wants. I give him my life. I don't know what he wants. Tonight we want to do the best we can to clear all that up. So here's what the Bible has to say about those who choose to follow Jesus. You ready? Because this is a tough passage of scripture. I'm just saying. Luke chapter 14 verses 25 through 33. A large crowd was following Jesus because that would happen. He was the master teacher. He was healer. He was all that in a bag of chips. Jesus was. And so there would be these huge crowds that would follow him. And he turned to them and said, he said, if you want to be my what? Disciple. You must hate everyone else by comparison. Now, don't you know, there's this large crowd of people, they're following, they want to hang out with the man, you know? I mean, they hear, he's a miracle worker, they want to get as close to him as they possibly can, and he goes, he says, hey, if you want to be one of my disciples, you got to hate everyone else by comparison. He said, your father, your mother, I think it says mother-in-law, I think it's what's supposed to be in, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I just made that up. Anyway, uh, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my what? Disciple. If you don't carry your own cross. And when these guys heard that, they knew what that meant. We don't know what that means. We have no earthly idea in America what that means. When they heard that, you got to carry your own cross. They went, he's talking about death. Oh my gosh. If you want to be my disciple, you got to pick up your own cross, which represents death. You cannot be my disciple. So don't, don't, but don't. Uh, begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if he has enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money, and everyone then would laugh at you. And then they would say, there's the person who started a building, but he couldn't afford to finish it. Or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against him? Who in their right mind would do such thing I want you to think I want you to think about being my disciple I want you to think about the cost is what he's saying he said if he can he will send a delegation to discuss terms of of peace while the enemy is still far away so you cannot become my y'all getting a little weak on me you can you can't believe that word used this many times in this verse, can you? That was that's your that's what messes you up. You cannot become my disciple without giving up everything that you own. So here's the thing: when you look at this passage of scripture, you know this is not the kind of of, of passage that you want to read and then give an invitation and expect you know by the groves hundreds and thousands of lost people to give their life to Jesus. They're going, ooh. 
I, mean, I was into the grace and the love, but whoo, he's kind of getting a little bit personal. You know, I mean, whoa, this thing of being a disciple is really, really serious business. So let's define it. The word disciple comes from a Greek word that means, it means a learner. It, it means a pupil or it means a follower. You got that in your head? Probably not new to you, but we're going to process this, okay? So disciples are followers, they're students, they're pupils. That ain't cranked you up yet. Okay, okay. So let me, let me kind of give you the short version of what would happen to any young Jewish boy around the age of six or so. He, with the other six-year-olds in his little neighborhood, would go to school to learn the Torah. Now, if you're new to church, you probably had to be new to church. You go, what, the Torah? What is that? Sounds spiritual? Amen. You know, but you don't know what it means. Well, the Torah is the first five books of the Bible. Now, here's the kicker to me. These little six-year-olds would go not to just read about the Torah. Because that's what you're thinking. They go to school, they're going to read about the Torah. They want to find out Moses wrote it. You know, it's kind of cool. There's the stuff in the beginning in Genesis. And they would be able to kind of walk you through this thing called the Torah. No. They literally would be expected to memorize the Torah. Woo! <laughs> Could you imagine if we looked at our church and said, if you want to be a disciple, you've got to memorize the first five books of the Bible. We would clear the place, wouldn't we? We'd say, dude, I'm not into that memorization stuff. Are you kidding? That's what they would be required to do. Now, if they were exceptional, if they were like the cream of the crop, the best of the best, then if there would be a, a maybe an elite rabbi that would come along and he would choose his disciples. So he's kind of walking through the school, you know, and he's looking at the really cool kids, you know, the cool kids that have it all together. These kids, there's something special about these kids. I mean, they're not the average kid. It's not just that they can quote the Torah. He, see, he feels passion from them. He, he sees something in them, and he says, I want to look for somebody. I want to look for the best of the best, the, the most elite of everybody in school. I want to find one of these guys that will follow me. I want to find somebody that will follow me. Now that's a big deal. And so then if they would, if they would make it this far, then they would be promoted to a, a secondary kind of school and maybe even a third level and it was reserved only for the best of the best. It would be kind of like uh, getting accepted to some kind of prep school, maybe going to Harvard, you know? And so these guys, you can imagine, they're honored, right? I mean, they are all that. They're poking out their chest and they go, yeah, I got picked by the rabbi. How about you? That's right. You're not cool. See, you're not one. To, you're not really spiritual as I am, because I learn. I memorize the Torah, and so there's something special about me. And the best, the most elite rabbi has picked me to follow him. And so the rabbi would think, you know what? I want him to become not just follow me. See, and it's more than that. And you got to understand, this Jewish audience understood what Jesus was saying in Luke when he used the word disciple. Because these disciples would say, I want you to literally learn how to walk like I walk. I want, I want you to learn how to talk like I talk. And here's what I read in studying of this several months ago. That literally you would be able to look at a disciple and you would know who his rabbi was. 
All the rabbis were a little bit different, uh, not necessarily in belief, but they would always, but they would be a little bit different. You know, more and one's more charismatic than the other. And so, literally, here's what you would see: these little, these little kids, these these disciples would walk down the road, and as they would walk down the road, people would say, I know, "I know who his I know who he was rabbi is. I know who his rabbi is is Joe, because you know how I know because he walks just like Joe, and when he talks, you know it because he talks just like Joe. You know, everything about him, the way he holds his hands when he talks. He talks with his hands like, like Joe did. You know, he even eats like Joe. You know, you watch him, he kind of, he's really fat. He's, he's just like Joe in every possible way. Now, here's what I want you to understand. Jesus is the rabbi. He is the rabbi. He is the master teacher. Our job, don't miss this, and I'm going to help you, I hope, to understand this, to the best of our ability. Our job is to be a pupil. It's to be a learner. It is to be a follower of Jesus. Not the church. You're not supposed to follow the church. It's not cool when you leave a church. And I'm like, I know where he goes to church. That's not the purpose. Now, we're, you know, it kind of makes us as pastors proud. That's right. Goes to my church. You know what I'm saying? Looks like me, walks like me, talks like me. Nobody at Springwell wants to, wants to talk like me, you know? I promise you. Our job is not to turn out people, little clones, little religious clones. It is to do everything we can to teach you to walk and talk like Jesus. So that when people see you, they go, you know what? I know that guy. And they might use the word Christian. It doesn't matter. They say, I know that that guy is a follower of Jesus. I know he is a disciple of Jesus. I know that she has a walk with Jesus. I'll tell you how I know. Because in every situation, they respond just like Jesus would. And when, when, when they walk, they carry themselves different than everybody else. And I don't know everything there is to know about Jesus, but here's what I would imagine. That if Jesus were on planet Earth, he would walk like them, talk like them, be just like them. Now, Jesus was really clear in this passage <clears throat> that he wanted disciples. That's who he's calling. The heartbeat of Springwell Church, the heartbeat of the staff of this church, I believe, is to grow up disciples of Jesus. Are you with me? Disciples that walk, talk, look, sound just like Jesus. But here's the thing. There is a high cost. In fact, Jesus literally said, you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything. you got to die to yourself. It's not about what you think, how you think you should look. It's not about how you think you should talk. It's not about how you think you should walk. It's that you simply study the life of Jesus and you want to emulate him to the best of your ability. And Jesus said, when you do that, understand that it's going to cost you. It'll cost you everything. I've learned that in my life. I've learned that in my life. So here's what the so-called Christian might look like. Let me show you what cultural Christianity looks like. Paul, writing to a young buck preacher boy named Timothy. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1-5, through 5, here's what he says. He says, you should know this, Timothy. That in the last days... There's going to be some difficult times. For people will love 
only themselves and, and their money. Hmm. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents. And some of the parents went, amen. Preach it. Disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. Hmm. They'll be cruel and they'll hate what's good, he said. They will betray their friends. They're going to be reckless and they're going to be puffed up with pride. Love, and they're going to love pleasure rather than God. Here's the key. They're going to act religious. That's a whole other message about what, what religion is and what it means to be religious. Because sometimes we think that's a good thing. It's not a good thing. If someone says, you are really a religious person, you should slap them. I mean, just really, in the name of Jesus, knock the fire out of them. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. But it's not a compliment. Really, don't, don't do that. I can see it tomorrow. Somebody will go, somebody go to school and knock a fire out of somebody and say, well, that preacher told me last night it's what I need to do. Don't do it. Don't do that. And when I look at this, it sounds like a lot like the culture that we live in. It, it sounds like a culture to me that are deeper in love with themselves than they are God. They're a little bit religious. In other words, they got rules and regulations. And churches turn out people that know the rules and the regulations. This is how you act if you go to our church. You know? Don't, don't disgrace this church. Why would you wear a t-shirt like that and disgrace this church? And I go, it has nothing to do with this church. You're a disciple of Jesus. You represent Jesus. He's the only one that matters at the end of the day. People that attend the church on occasion, you know, I mean, at this every Sunday thing, nah, you know, it ain't a big deal. Um, they don't serve, really. These people don't serve a whole lot. Don't give anything, honestly, they don't. Uh, they may call themselves Christians or disciples, but they're not lovers of God at all. It's all about their needs. When it really comes right down to it, it's really, it's all about me. It's all about what I want. If the church is meeting my needs, if the church is taking care of me, why do people leave? Because they didn't do it my way. I got mad because they didn't do it my way anymore. So I'll leave and I'll go find another church. It's not the type of person that Springwell or day three staff is trying to grow up. Because we want to grow up disciples of Jesus. That's the heart. That's the heartbeat of this church. We want to grow up disciples of Jesus. People who fall head over heels in love with Jesus and are now willing to die to themselves, pick up their crosses, die to themselves, and obey his every command. Now, here's my guess, because I'm telling you, y'all all that. I mean, you really are. I was here this morning, and I was watching y'all, and I thought, that's a good church right there. Those people really got it going on. And I figured that that's probably where y'all are. And there's a lot of y'all that are here tonight thinking, I would love to be a real disciple of Jesus. Right? Y'all out there? Don't disappoint me. Go ahead, raise your hand. All right. Rest of you, we're going to get you as we go. Okay. So, you're thinking, what do I have to do? This is going to sound a little strange. I admit that. Please don't leave. I'm going to say some stuff, and you're going to go, ah, you really are. Don't leave on me. Hang in there and let me finish, okay? If you really want to be a disciple of Jesus, if you want to grow up, then 
You're going to have to get circumcised. If you'll form a line right here. And Daryl, if you'll do the honors, I ain't doing it. I'm not that skilled. You know, I'm just passing that on to somebody else. You know, I did this at Springwell. I had a machete. You should have been there. It was a hoot. Because there were people visiting going, my gosh. You can see him poking. Is he serious? Yeah, come on. No, I'm just kidding. I did do the machete thing. I really, I really did. I know. I, I'm stupid. I know. It. Listen to me. Salvation is free. Watch this. But obedience is costly. Salvation is free, but obedience to the Lordship of Jesus, that's the way we say it in church, will cost you everything. Now, you might look at these and you go, these two facts seem to be kind of contradictory. No, they're not. In fact, this is the tension that's at the very heart of the gospel. How did God choose to accomplish reconciling this broken relationship between him and a sinful world? How did he do it? I'll tell you how he did it. It was by his love. For God so, what? Loved the world. I'm telling you, I get to tell people every week, God is crazy in love with you. Crazy about you. And he wants to have a relationship with you. It was all about the love of God, but it was also equally about the sacrifice that Jesus was willing to pay on that center cross that we talked about this morning. Wow. So, how will God choose, because churches are, we're hungry, I'm hungry, to see God do the supernatural, aren't you? I don't know right, I want everything in Jesus I can get. You know, if there's more, I want it. I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm, just, I'm all in at this point. How will God choose to do the supernatural in the world that we live in today? It will be through an ordinary person like you and me. It will be by his grace. And it will be by our willingness to sacrifice, sacrifice our lives for the sake of Jesus. And when I talk about sacrifice, I mean exactly that. Sacrifice. I'm a crazy pastor, and I'm telling you, we expect a lot from our volunteers. We really do. If you play in our band, if you're a part of our band, and we have several just like y'all do, and, and they rotate. I don't know how they do that, but they rotate. <laughs> they don't let me know because I'm not smart enough to figure it out. But I know that there's going to be people every week, every week to show up and play. Here's what they have to do. They show up. They have to learn their music before they come. If they show up and they don't know their music, they are in trouble. And I mean, they'll get a scolding, I'm just saying. And I'm not kidding. They really will. All of our guys are volunteer. We don't pay our folks. They're, they're volunteer, just like your guys. And so they'll show up, and they'll have a two-hour rehearsal. Now, here's what also they have to do. On Thursday night, they show up for a two-hour rehearsal, and they will have their first service of the week. And they'll have to play at our Celebrate Recovery service. And uh, I, I think I told you last week, our goal last week was 200. I'm not sure how many we had the week before. We had 159. And here's what I've told our people. I've said, you know what? If you are too good to play for Celebrate Recovery on Thursday night, you're too good to play on Sunday morning. I ain't going to have it. 
I mean, listen, we're going to serve everybody that God allows us to serve. And we're going to give every single person that walks through the door of our church the absolute best that we have. We don't give them leftovers. We got greeters. We got people in the parking lot. We got people standing at the door. They greet people. They give you a name badge. We serve them a free meal. A free meal. I mean, that gets people. They got me. You know, I'm going for the meal, if nothing else. You know? And so at 6 o'clock, they get a free meal. It takes 30-plus volunteers to make it happen. They will start about 3 o'clock on a Thursday afternoon. They'll set up and fix a meal. They'll feed them at 6 o'clock. At 7 o'clock, we give them a service. And I don't, we give them the exact same quality service on Thursday night that we do on Sunday. And I look at these band people and I go, y'all got to play. Because I want you to understand what it means to serve. And you know what? I've never had one single, not one person yet to complain. Because they're scared at me. I'm just kidding. They're not. And then... We do three Sunday morning services, and those people have to show up at some crazy hour. They start getting at the church at like uh, 6.30, 6.45 to set up so that at 7, we can do a run-through. Because we'll do a whole run-through of the service. So at 7.30, we can be done and be ready for our people to walk through the doors. It's crazy. But I believe that that's what we've been called to do. And we caught one of our guys, our parking lot guys, it was raining. I saw you guys were so great out there this morning. And uh, one of our staff overheard one of our volunteers saying, what do they expect? We're just volunteers. Ooh. <laughs> I don't think he comes to our church anymore. I mean, we fried him. Well, are you kidding me? You don't represent Springwell. You represent God. Don't you get it? When people pull up onto this campus, what they need to see are disciples of Jesus that have died to themselves, died to their own wants and their own needs. It's not about serving the church. It's not about volunteering your time and patting yourself on the back and thinking, look at me, I did a great job. It's about a group of people that have died to themselves for the cause of Christ. Okay, let's talk about circumcision because I know you can't wait. You're ready right now. Taking read, taking notes, aren't you? Woo! Okay, just before Joshua, Joshua chapter 6, there's that infamous walk. You know what I'm talking about? We love that. We love chapter 6, don't we? Whoo, let's get fired up about chapter 6. You know, let's, Joshua, the book of Joshua is, is, is like war stories. It's adventure stories. It really is. And if you'll start to read it, I mean, there's chapter 10. Some of the most incredible miracles in the book of Joshua literally were one day the sun stood still. I mean, there's phenomenal stories. In the book of Joshua, there really are. The big thing, the main focus of the book is walking by faith. But occasionally, so if you hadn't been reading the Bible and you thought the Bible was dull, <laughs> occasionally God will throw us a curveball. I don't know, maybe it's a knuckleball because it jumps, literally. And you go, what? What, what, wait a minute, wait a What did he just say right here? Maybe he's just checking to see if we're paying attention. I do that sometimes when I'm preaching. You know, I'll say something crazy just to see if people are paying attention. For example, just after the nation of uh, Israel crossed the, uh, the Jordan River, God gave these Israelites a, a difficult assignment. Um, now, they were on the other side of the river, and apparently uh, he wanted to teach his people a whole different kind of faith and, uh, because they were going to have some incredible victories. God was going to work incredible miracles, but he said, there's one thing that I'm going to ask you to do before... We do this launch of the most important conquest in the entire Bible. Now, this is going to be a little awkward. 
It's in the Bible. You can't get mad at me. It's, I'm writing the Bible. It's the scripture. I'm not making this up. Joshua, Joshua chapter 5, verses 2 and 3. At that time, the Lord cho- uh, told Joshua, make flint knives. Y'all are way too spiritual. And circumcise ah, this second generation of Israelites. Hmm. One brother, he's, he's been over right now. Like, ooh. So Joshua had made flint knives, and he circumcised the entire male population of Israel. At a hard word I can't pronounce. Now, there's honestly, there's a lot of times in the Bible when I think it would have been cool to live in Bible times. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, really, you know, I mean, when, when Joshua 10, when the sun stood still, that would have been a cool day, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? I mean, I would will, be willing to go back, hang out in the desert. You know, it would have been really cool to be a follower of God that day. It would have been really, really cool to have been there when Jesus performed the first miracle and he turned water into wine. Hello? I mean, wouldn't you love to have Jesus as one of your friends? You know what? Y'all don't, don't go there because I know what you're thinking. Oh, wow, party. We ran out. Jesus. Never mind. <clears throat> Sorry, I forgot we're Baptist crowd. Anyway, there's a lot of times when I read the Bible, I think it'd be really cool. This is not one of those times. <laughs> this is not like, whoo, I wish I was, I'm glad I live now. You know, that's what I'm thinking to myself. Now, most of you, I'm pretty sure, are familiar with the basics of, of circumcision. It's not a big day, a big deal today. We got modern hospitals. We got modern technology. We got educated doctors. And most importantly, please hear me well, we have anesthesia. That's really, really important. I'm just saying. Can I hear an amen from the men? Can I hear an old me from the man? That's what I'm talking about. Now, plus, uh, today, uh, circumcision is usually performed on babies. It's really the best time to do it. But these were male. These were, these, these were grown adult men. They weren't baby boys. They're full grown men. And they didn't have Swedish steel surgical knives. They used flint knives. Just go there just for a second. It's okay. Now, you know, my guess is, because I love this, because we, we have so many unchurched people, I, and I can t- look at them and they go, this is, this is crazy. I ain't giving my life to Jesus. In fact, if you'll shut up just for a minute and we'll bow in prayer, I'm out of here. You, know, you can just think, I'm, they're looking for the door, thinking, I'm heading out. Here's what you understand. Here's what we don't understand. This original audience who read this book of Joshua would have had a different perspective. To the Hebrew people, this male circumcision was a physical sign of a spiritual covenant between them and God. That's what they understood. See, they didn't read it or see it anything like we do at all. It was one of the most important elements of Jewish law. And it was an extremely meaningful event signifying God's promise to his people as well as their commitment to his commands. Now, here's what I want you to see. Believe it or not, i got a point behind all this. In the New Testament, the same type of ritual takes place, but on a different level. Please understand this. God is more interested on what's on the inside than he is on what's on your outside. He's more interested in shaping your heart, changing your heart, than he is cutting your hair and putting a suit on you. Because he cares about our spiritual condition. 
So, in Romans chapter 2, verses 28 and 29, Paul talks about a different circumcision. It's the circumcision of the heart. And here's what Paul says. For you are not, listen to what he says, for you are not a true Jew. It's because you're born Jewish. And they're going, whoa, what? Because that was a pretty big deal. Because you were born of Jewish parents or because you've gone through the ceremony of circumcision. See, you understand? That's what religious people do. Religious people say, wait a minute. I'm cool because I joined a church. I'm cool because I'm Baptist. I'm really cool because I'm Southern Baptist. I'm really cool because I'm, I'm a part of the hippest church in town. You know what I'm saying? And so we do that. See, what we do is we put it on the external things. And that's exactly what they were doing. They went, wait a minute, man. I'm a, I'm a Jew. I am a Jew. God loves me because my parents were Jew. Because I, ha- I went through the ritual of circumcision. He said, no. A true Jew is one whose heart is right with God. It's one whose what? Heart is right with God. And true circumcision is not merely obeying the letter of the law. Rather, it is a change of heart produced by God's spirit. And a person with a changed heart seeks praise from God. God, not people. Now we waded off in the deep water tonight, ain't we? This is pretty sweet. Paul's talking about a circumcision that isn't merely outward and physical. This is a circumcision, listen to me, because you've got to get this. Because there's a lot of cool things. I could have said, okay, we're going to talk about discipleship. If you want to be a disciple of Jesus, you've got you to read the Bible every day. You've got to pray every day. You've got to go to church every Sunday. I want you to serve. I want you to do all these things. I could have done that, and it would have been okay. I could have backed myself up with Scripture, and I could have worked you up into a frenzy, and you would have signed commitment cards. I would have done that. But if you don't get this, you will never be a disciple of Jesus. You will be more focused on the external things than you will be the change of heart that God requires. Let me tell you what happens. Let me tell you what's happened in my life. Is God is always stripping and cutting away things in my life. A few years ago, Springwell went through kind of a rough patch and, and I lost a lot of my friends. I'm not kidding you. We probably saw 500 people just leave. <laughs> that wasn't a good day. And some of these people said mean, nasty, ugly things about me. They really did. And here's the thing. I knew some really bad stuff on them, and I wanted to tell. You just had no idea. I mean, I, I said, okay, all right. Y'all want to get down and dirty. I'll get down and dirty with you. You know what I'm saying? I mean, bring people together. I will tell the whole story. But I couldn't because God wouldn't let me. There had to be a thing called integrity, and I had to respect other people who didn't have any respect for me. It was a very lonely time, and I thought I was doing so good. I was so proud of myself, you know. I, look at me. I mean, I love Jesus. Look at me. I'm telling you, I love Jesus. I, and I'm not talking about my enemies. I'm trying to love my enemies, and I'm doing so good. God woke me up at 2.30 one morning. And I know it was God, because I don't just get up at 2.30 just for no reason, you know. So God woke me up at 2.30. He said, I want you in the Word. I got in the Word, and he looked at me. Here's what he said. He said, as plain as I'm talking to you right now, he said, your life is full of pride. And I went, whoa, you dialed the wrong number. I'm your humble servant. Ask our church. Ask people that know me. They say, you know, it's one, of the, one of the things we love about our pastor is he's humble. And I'm reminding God, God, honestly, I'm humble. He said, no, you're not. I said, well, how do you figure? He said, because you know what? Right now you're so angry because you're more concerned about your reputation than you are my reputation. I went, oh, I got on my knees and he broke me. I mean, he broke me. And I couldn't blame anybody else. It was just me and him hanging out 2.30 in the morning. 
And he said, son, I want your heart. And you'll never be able to serve me until you deal with your stuff. And I had to deal with my stuff. I'll tell you what I spent all last year doing. Oh, man, this God thing. God, God spoke to me again as clear as I'm speaking to you right now. And he said, you know what? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to reconcile some of these broken relationships. And I said, you've got to be kidding me. It ain't, what am I going to them? They did what? They did it to me. Why do I got to go to them? He said, I want, you to, I want you to go to them. And I said, yes, sir. And I said, I don't know who to go to. And he said, that's okay. I'll show you. So literally, this is a true story. I remember one day I was, I was counseling with a guy. I took my phone in and I had one of those, uh, I don't, some kind of droid phone. I don't remember what it was, but some kind of droid phone. I don't remember the name of it. But anyway, it was one of those phones that you have to mash a button to cut it on. You know what I'm talking about? And then you got to slide something to open it up. And then if you want to call somebody, you got to go to contacts. Then you got to search in contacts to find the right person. Then you got to hit that button. And then there's about another two or three steps that you have to take. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Phone drove me nuts. You know? Here's what happened to me one day. I took my phone, laid it down, and my phone all by itself called somebody that I hadn't talked to in at least two years I said you know I guess that might be God you know what I did I called him and I told him I said let me tell you what happened I think it's God and you know what there's a problem in our relationship and it needs to be healed he said hello (laughs) what he walked me through a whole process last year of just mending broken relationships because you know what Paul said that we are agents of reconciliation. You hear me? And if we're going to reflect Jesus, Jesus, then we have to die to ourselves. And it's it's not about us. And we have to be willing to admit, I am sorry, I was wrong. Because the only thing that matters at the end of the day is just giving it to you. Because he wants us to be a reflection of him. And he, sometimes he has to perform this inward circumcision of the heart. And, and he'll come in and he'll, he'll begin to cut away things in your life that should not be there. So with that context in mind, let's take another look at this uh, Joshua story. And of course you know by now that this, is, uh, this generation who served under Moses, uh, they were of course this Joshua, the, the generation before Joshua. You got that? Uh, they lost. The Moses, the, the Moses generation lost their opportunity to go into the promised land. They lost it. I can't believe it. I mean God did so much for those people, but no matter how much he did, no matter how many miracles he performed, they couldn't get it right. So they didn't get to go into the promised land. This generation, the Joshua generation, however, got to enter into the promised land. But God said, I want to bless you beyond imagination. But you've got to be willing. This is something you've got to be willing to do. Joshua's generation was poised to do what the previous generation had failed to do. God was ready to take a generation of people and launch them into an experience of a lifetime. But before God let him experience the fullness of his promise, he insisted on them going through this really painful operation. I believe that this church, I believe you're poised to take your city for Jesus. I really do. 
Because, I mean, I try, I, I listen. I try to listen. And I talk to you guys when I'm here. And, and so I try to listen. And I listen to Lynn. And, and, and I look and I think, man, listen, you're poised right now to take this city for Jesus. The question for you tonight is this. Are you willing to grow up in your faith? Or will you be like the generation of Moses? And will you fail to trust God to work through you to do the impossible? Now, what if these guys had said, oh, really, come on, God, this is this, <laughs> this circumcision? Couldn't we, like, get secret decoder rings or something cool? Maybe a new haircut that would say, you know, they're all like, you know. Could, couldn't, couldn't we? Why circumcision? And do you want me to tell you why? I have no earthly idea. But what if they had said no? What if they had refused to endure the pain? What if they had rebelled against the instruction? They just crossed the Jordan River. They could have just simply celebrated the victory and forgot about this whole circumcision thing and really, who could have blamed them? But here's the thing, in Joshua chapter 5, God was just not going to allow the Israelites to move forward and occupy the land until they had obeyed His command. That was just the deal. This, this, this was a do not pass go kind of deal. And it's a good thing that they chose to go under the knife because they did. These were crazy people. Crazy people. Who said, we love God more than we love ourselves. You can't threaten a man that's willing to die. What do you do? What do you say to him? I'll kill you. Go ahead. Here's the gun. Pull the trigger. Go ahead. Shoot me. Kill me. And that's where these people were. And a church that's going to take his city for Jesus has to be a church that's willing to grow up and accept the challenge. It will be tough, I promise you. There will be mountains that you will have to climb. There will be obstacles that will get in your way. You will question your talent, your ability to do it. You will think a million times over, we can't do this. We don't have enough money. We say that all the time in Springwell. We don't have enough money. And I was reminded, wait a minute. I, I serve the God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. But who am I kidding? He owns the thousand hills that the cattle's on. Right now, don't tell our church, right now we're waiting on a million dollar miracle. I wish I could tell you that story. I don't have time. Whoops, I gotta go. I mean, we gotta, gotta move. <laughs> it's a great story though. I'm the, oh, Carrie, don't you tell a soul. Carrie's back there. Don't tell anybody. Shh, secret. Because you know what? I serve a God who can do anything. He can do anything. He can save the lowest of the low. There's nothing that he cannot do. And there is nobody that he cannot use. Nobody. I wrote this in my notes. We're the Joshua generation. I'm not sure that my generation is the Joshua generation. It could be you. It could be you guys. You may be the Joshua generation. It, it, it might be what you lead youth to do. Youth that are crazy in love with Jesus. That are just crazy enough to do whatever it takes to reach every lost teenager in this community. <laughs> they don't care. They don't know any better. Because my generation, we sit and figure... And we count the cost and we say, it's too high, we can't do it. 
But here's the thing. Yeah, you have to be circumcised. We have to be willing to go under the knife. We have, to, we have to choose to take some costly steps of obedience to really know that Jesus, in, his all, in this audacious faith, it's, it's, it's time to grow up. It, it's time to grow up, child of God, and claim what's yours. It's what daddy's already given to you. It's what he's already promised. You don't have to get a new promise. The old ones are good enough. Now, here's the thing. I, I don't know exactly, because this is what I'm supposed to do right now. I'm a preacher, and I'm supposed to beat you up with some stuff. And I don't, I don't really know what the cutting away process will look like for you. I really don't. I've shared a little bit about what it's looked like for me as a pastor. The cutting away of pride. The cutting away of false humility. And getting down to the brass tacks of really what it means to sell out to Jesus. Maybe for you it's, it's pride. Maybe what Jesus is saying to you tonight, you know what your problem is? is you got to allow me to come in and do surgery. Surgery of your heart. And i got to cut away some things. I want, I want to use you to do incredible things. And don't ever get a big head and think, oh, look at me. i got talent. i got ability. Look at, what, look at me. Look at what I can do. If, if that's your goal, bless your heart. If that's your goal... I don't want, I don't want to accomplish what I can accomplish. I want to see God do something through me that I will know that there's no way it could have been done unless it was Him. Maybe God wants to cut away some self-centered dreams in your life so that He can make room for some bigger, better dreams. Maybe your desires of your heart are wrapped more up in ambition and status than they are passion for Jesus. I'm just saying that sometimes God has to cut away ego and pride to be able to raise up the disciple that he wants you to be. It's going to cost you. Gosh. It's going to cost you. Now, it's going to cost you and it will be the ride of your life. I have the most phenomenal life. I have the most phenomenal stories to tell. They're incredible. And the sweet thing of it is, is when I get to tell my stories, I get to say, we didn't have anything to do with this. what God did. This is what God did. Let me tell you what God did. But there's always a trade-up. It's always going to raise you up to a greater level of faith and belief. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11 says it like this. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's It's painful. But after there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who were trained in this way. And that's where I'm at. That's, I, there's nothing special about me. I promise you. There's nothing. You heard me preach. There's nothing special about me. I don't, I don't, I never stand to speak to make it about me. But to do the best I can to be able to present the Word of God and let God do the work. Because He so wants to work. So maybe you're here tonight and you've realized, you know what? Honestly, there's not a lot in my life that really resembles Jesus. Wow. Not really. I mean, you go to church. You tip God every now and again. Maybe you serve occasionally. But when was the last time that somebody looked at your life and they said, you know what? There goes a little Jesus right there. Because he's crazy. She, she loves her enemies. It's crazy. 
You can tell by the way she walks that she, she, walk, she walks different. She's got a different walk. She, she doesn't look, look like the other girls. He doesn't look like the other guys. I mean, wow. How about the people that you work with? When was the last time they said, you know what, I don't know what, something, I don't know what it is, but something about you is just different. And you know what, I don't know a whole lot about Christianity, but when I think about Christianity and when I think about Jesus, I just think, that you must be like what he looks like. And maybe you're here tonight and you go, wow, man, that's not me. I'm afraid that there are not many people that look at me and think that I resemble anything that looks like Jesus at all. And maybe tonight you've heard the call of God, the call of God, and he said, grow up. I want you to be a disciple. I want you to be a disciple. I want you to be a follower, one of my followers. So maybe you're here tonight and you are a a Christian. You prayed the prayer. You've been baptized. But honestly, you really don't look a lot like Jesus. And if that's you, and you would be just honest enough to say, gosh, man, the Holy Spirit kind of nailed me. That's me. Could you slip up your hand? Could you just be honest enough to slip up your hand? Oh, wow, thank you. You're so honest. So what are we going to do about it? What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? You've got you to know how he walks and how he talks. and you gotta, you gotta, Your heart's desire is not to be a better church person. Your heart's desire is to look like him and walk like him and talk like him. You get into the word and you study it like you've never studied it before. Not because you want to impress people with your Bible knowledge, but because you have to know what does he look like? What does he talk like? How does he sound? How do I do that? So if you just slipped up your hand, maybe right now you just want to stop and pray and say, God, I am so sorry. Help me, God, get this thing right. We're the Joshua generation. God, use us. Use us. Use me. And take this city for you. Go ahead, talk to him right now. There are some of you this, this evening that would say, you know what, I'm, maybe I'm not in a relationship with Jesus at all. And it's strange because I've talked really hard discipleship kinds of stuff. And uh, you would think that in a moment like this that anybody that's not a Christian would like go, are you kidding me? I ain't doing that Jesus stuff. But it's odd. Because here's what happens in moments like this because they're God moments. They're not man-created emotional gimmicks. They're God moments. And God is here right now. And maybe you're not a Christian. You're not a follower of Jesus. You're not a disciple of Christ. You've never prayed the prayer. But right now, strangely enough, you're feeling really drawn to him. tell you why it's because he's crazy about you he's absolutely crazy about you he loves you more than you can imagine and he's saying just trust me give me your life you'll never go through anything that i won't walk with you ever he said i'll never leave you nor forsake you that's what he said i promise i will be a brother i will be a friend that will stick closer than a brother that's the promise of his word so if you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, you're not a disciple, and you're thinking, I'm ready. I don't, it's crazy. It's the craziest message I've ever heard. You've talked about circumcision, and suddenly now I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. If that's you, every head is bowed and every eye is closed. If you're not a follower of Jesus, but you'd like to be, maybe right here, this moment, quietly and softly, just pray this prayer with me. Say something like this. 
See, Jesus, I can't explain it. But I, I feel you tugging at my heart. I, I sense your presence. I don't know everything that that means, but I'm telling you, I know you're real. And I sense you, you're here right now and you're speaking to me and I know it. Thank you for loving me. I don't know why you would love me, but I thank you that you love me. And just tell him right now, Lord, I'm ready and willing to fully surrender my life to you. I mean everything. I'm willing to die to myself. I'm willing to allow you to cut away the things in my life that, that wouldn't please you. I'm ready. So forgive me of my sin as I fully surrender my life to you. Fill me, Lord, with your spirit so that I can serve you faithfully for the rest of my life. If you're here tonight and you just prayed that prayer, and there's nobody looking around, I wouldn't embarrass you for anything. But if you're here tonight and you would say, you know what, I just prayed that prayer. I, I accepted Christ. Would you just slip up your hand? Is there anybody? Thank you. Yeah. Cool. I'll see your hand. Anybody else? Everybody look this way. And I can ask you to stand. Uh, here's the thing I love about churches like this, because you guys are uh, so warm and so loving, and uh, I, I feel like I'm at home, honestly. And I was a little nervous this morning, you know. Pretty tough, you know, kind of that first message kind of thing. But man, it was sweet. And you guys just opened up your hearts, and you, you loved on me, and it was great. And I've enjoyed being with you thus far. we got another night tomorrow night. But uh, if you're here, and you're one of those followers, and you go, gosh... I'm not, I, I said I was a Christian. I said I was a disciple. But you know what? I had to slip up my hand a few minutes ago and say, gosh, man, I don't have, I'm not there yet. I'm, honestly, I'm not there yet. Well, I'm with you. Mm. Just so you know, I'm with you. And every day of my life, I understand a little bit more about what it means to fully surrender and to say, God, do some surgery. It's okay. Cut away the things in my life, Lord. I don't care anymore. Cut away the things that you, that don't please you. Because, Lord, when people see me, I want them to see you. Not our church. Not a denomination. I want them to see you. If that's the desire of your heart, then maybe, because I think I need to probably just kneel here and pray myself. Maybe as, uh, as John plays, as these guys play, maybe you just want to come and just kneel here and uh, have a little talk with Jesus. If, if we can pray with you, there's staff, Daryl's here, and there's Lynn and others of us. We're more than willing to pray with you. You may have to wait on us. Maybe we need to pray first, you know, but we'll be with you. Maybe you just want to come and kneel here and say, God, search me. You know, just, just search me, Lord. And, and do surgery. It's okay. So will you stand with me? And I'll invite you to come as they sing. Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day 3 Church. We pray that it has ministered to you. For more information about our location, service times, or other sermon podcasts, please visit us online at day3church.org. Day 3 Church. Experience a new day in your life.